Chapter six of Danny's own story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Danny's own story by Don Marquis. Chapter six. I looks up, and that was how I got acquainted with Martha. She was eating one herself sitting up in the tree like a boy in her lap was a book she had been reading she was leaning back into the fork two limbs made so as not to tumble well i says can i have one you've eaten it already she says so there isn't any use begging for it now i seen she was a tease that girl and i would have give anything to have been able to tease her right back again but i couldn't think of nothing to say so i jest stands there kind of dumb like thinking what a dern pretty girl she was and thinking how dumb i must look and i felt my face getting red dr kirby would have thought of something to say right off and after i got back to camp i would think of something myself but i couldn't think of nothing bright so i says well then you give me another one she gives the core of the one she had been eating a toss at me but i catched it and made like I was going to throw it back at her real hard she slung up her arm and dodged back and she dropped her book I thinks to myself I'll learn that girl to get sassy and make me feel like a dumbhead even if she is purty so I don't say a word I just picks up that book and sticks it under my arm and walks away slow with it to where they was a stump a little ways off not fur from the crick and sits down with my back to her and opens it and I was trying all the time to think of something smart to say to her, but I couldn't have done it if I was to be shot. Still, I thinks to myself, no girl can sass me and not get sassed back neither. I hearn her scramble behind me, which I knowed was her getting out of that tree, and in a minute she was in front of me mad. Give me my book, she says. But I only reads the name of the book out loud for to aggravate her. I had on pretty good duds but i kind of wished i had on my engine rig then you take the girls that always comes down to see the passenger train come into the depot in them country towns and that engine rig of mine and louis always makes em turn around and look at us again i never wished i had on them engine duds so hard before in my life but i couldn't think of nothing bright to say so i just reads the name of that book over to myself again kind of grinning like i got a good joke and i ain't going to tell anyone you give me my book she says again red as one of them harvest apples or i'll tell miss hampton you stole it and she'll have you and your show arrested i reads the name again it was the lost heir i seen i had her good and teased now so i says it must be one of these here love stories by the way you take on over it it's not she says getting ready to cry and what right have you got in our woodlot anyhow well i says I was just about to move on and climb out of it when you hollered to me from that tree I didn't she says But she was mad because she knowed she had spoke to me first and she was awful sorry she had I Thought I heard you holler I says, but I guess there must have been a squirrel I said it kind o' sarcastic like for I was still mad with myself for being so dumb when we first seen each other I had no idea it would hurt her feelings as hard as it did but all of a sudden she begins to wink and her chin trembled and she turned around short and started to walk off slow she was mad with herself for being catched in a lie and she was wondering what i would think of her for being so bold as to have spoke first to a feller she didn't know 
I got up and followed her a little piece, and it come to me all at once I had teased her too hard, and I was down on myself for it. Say, I says, kind of tagging along beside of her, here's your old book. But she didn't make no move to take it, and her hands was over her face, and she wouldn't pull em down to even look at it. So I tried again. Well, I says, feeling real mean, I wish you wouldn't cry. I didn't go to make you do that. She drops her hands and whirls around on me mad as a wet hen right off. I'm not, I'm not, she sings out and stamps her feet. I'm not crying. But just then she loses her hold on herself and busts out and just naturally bellers. I hate you, she says, like she could have killed me. Well, that made me kind of dumb again. For it come to me all at once I like that girl awful well. And here I'd up and made her hate me. I held the book out to her again and says, well, I'm mighty sorry for that, for I don't feel that away about you at all. Here's your book. Well, sir, she snatches that book and she gives it a sling. I thought it were going kerplash into the crick, but it didn't. It hit right into the fork of a limb that hung down over the crick, and it all spread out when it lit, and stuck in that crotch somehow. She couldn't have slung it that way on purpose in a million years. We both stands and looks at it a minute. Oh, oh, she says, what have I done? It's out of the town library, and I'll have to pay for it. I'll get it for you, I says. But it wasn't no easy job. If I shook that limb, it would tumble into the crick. But I clumb the tree and eased out on that limb as fur as I dast to. And, of course, just as I got hold of the book, that limb broke, and I fell into the crick. But I had the book. It was some soaked, but I reckoned it could still be read. I clumb out and she was just splitting herself laughing at me she wet on her face where she had cried wasn't dried up yet and she was laughing right through it kind of like the sun does to one of these here may rainstorms sometimes and she was the purtiest girl i ever seen gosh how i was getting to like that girl and she told me i looked like a drowned rat well that's how martha and me was introduced she wasn't more'n sixteen and when she found out i was a orphan she was glad for she was one herself, which Miss Hampton that lived in that house had took her to raise. And when I tells her how I've been traveling around the country all summer, she claps her hands and she says, Oh, you are on a quest. How romantic. I asked her, what is a quest? And she tells me. She knowed all about them, for Martha was considerable of a reader. Some of them was longer and some of them was shorter than quests. But mostly, Martha says, they was for a twelve-month and a day. And then you are released from your vow, and one of these here queens gives you a whack on the shoulder with a sword, and says, Arise, Sir Marmalduke, I dub you a knight. And then it is legal for you to go out and rescue people, and reform them, and spear them, if they don't see things your way, and come between husband and wife when they row, and do a heap of good in the world. Well, they was other kinds of quests, too, but mostly you married somebody, or was dubbed a knight, or found the party you was looking for in the end. And Martha had it all fixed up in her own mind. I was in a quest to find my father. For, says she, he is pretty certain to be a powerful rich man, and more than likely a earl. The way I was found, Martha says, kind of pints to the idea, there was a earl mixed up in it somewhere. She had read a lot about earls and knew their ways. Maybe my mother was a earl's daughter. 
Earl's daughter's is the worst for leaving you out in baskets going by what Martha said It's a kind of habit with them for they is awful proud people But it was a lucky way to start life from all she said that basket way There was Moses was left out that way and when he growed up He was made a kind of president of the whole human race the same as Roosevelt and figured out the Twelve Commandments Martha would have give anything if she could only been found in a basket like me I could see that but she wasn't she had just been left a orphan when her folks died There wasn't even no hopes. She had been changed at birth for another one But I seen down in under everything Martha kind of thought mebby one of them nights might come up prancing along and wed her in spite of herself or she would be carried off or something she was a very romanceful kind of girl when I seen she had it figured out I was in a quest for some high mucky muck for a dad I didn't tell her no different I didn't take much stock in them earls and knights myself so far as I could see they was all furners of one kind or another but that thing of being into a quest kind of interested me too how would I know if I was to run across him I asked sir you would feel an intangible something she says drawing you toward him I asked her what kind of a something I make out from what she says it's like these fellows that can find water with a piece of witch hazel switch You take a switch of it between your thumb and point it up then you shut your eyes and walk backwards When you get over where the water is the witch hazel twists twists around and points to the ground You dig there and you get a good well Nobody knows just why that stick is drawn to the ground. It's like one of these little whirligig compasses is drawn to the north it is the same Martha says if you are on a quest for a father or a mother only you have got to be worthy of that there quest She says the first time you meet the right one you are drawn just like the witch hazel That is the intangible something working on you. She says Martha had learnt a lot about that the book that had fell in the crick was like that she lent it to me Well, that all sounded kind of reasonable to me. I seen that witch hazel work myself Old blindy wolf whose eyes had been dead for so many years They had turned plum white had that gift and picked out all the places for wells that was dug in our neighborhood at home And I makes up my mind I'll watch out for that feeling of being drawed wherever I goes after this You can't tell what will come of them kind of things So pretty soon Martha has to milk the cow and I goes along back to camp thinking about that quest and about how a pretty girl she is which we had sat there talking so long it was nigh sundown and my clothes had dried on to me When I got over to camp I seen they must be something wrong Louie was sitting in the grass under the wagon looking kind of sour and kind of worried and watching the doctor The doctor was just inside the tent and he was looking queer too and not cheerful which he was usually The doctor looks at me like he don't scarcely know me which he don't he has one of them quiet kind of drunks on which Louis explains is bound to come every so often He don't do nothing mean but just gets low-spirited and won't talk to no one Then all of a sudden he will go downtown and walk up and down the main streets orderly But looking hard into people's faces mostly women's faces Once Louis says there was big trouble over it they was in a store in a good-sized town and he took hold of a woman's chin and tilted her face back and looked at her hard and most scared her to death and they was nearly being a riot there and he was jailed and had to pay a big fine 
Since then, Louis always follows him around when he's that away. Well, that night, Dr. Kirby is too fur gone for us to have our show. He just sets and stares and stares at the fire, and his eyes look like they is another fire inside of his head, and he is hurting outside and in. Louis and me watches him from the shadows for a long time before we turns in, and the last thing I seen before I went to sleep was him sitting there with his face in his hands, staring, and his lips moving now and then like he was talking to himself. The next day he is asleep all morning, but that day he don't drink any more, and Louis says maybe it ain't going to be one of the regular pifflicated kind. I seen Martha again that day, too, twice. I had talks with her. I talked to her about the doctor. Is he into a quest, do you think? I asked her. She says she thinks it is remorse for some crime he has done, but I couldn't figure Dr. Kirby would have done none. So that night after the show I says to him innocent-like, Dr. Kirby, what is a quest? He looks at me kind of queer. Wherefore, says he, this sudden thirst for enlightenment? I just run across the word accidental-like, I told him. He looks at me awful hard, his eyes just naturally digging into me. I feel like he knowed I had set out to pump him. I wished I hadn't tried it. Then he tells me a quest is a hunt, and I'm glad that's over with, but it ain't. For pretty soon he says, Danny, did you ever hear of Lady Clara Vere de Vere? No, I says, who is she? A lady friend of Lord Tennyson's, he says, whose manners were above reproach. Well, I says, she sounds kind of like a medicine to me. Lady Clara, he says, and all the other Vere de Veres were people with manners we should try to imitate. If Lady Clara had been here last night when I was talking to myself, Danny, her manners wouldn't have let her listen to what I was talking about. I didn't listen, I says, for I seen he was driving at now with them Vere de Veres. He thought I had asked him what a quest was because he was on one. I was certain of that now. He wasn't quite sure what he had been talking about, and he wanted to see how much I had earned. I thinks to myself, it must be an awful funny kind of hunt he is on, if he only hunts when he is in that fix. But I acted real innocent, and like my feelings was hurt, and he believed me. Pretty soon he says, cheerful-like, There was a girl talking to you today, Danny. Maybe there was, I says, and maybe they wasn't. But I felt my face getting red all the time, and was mad because it did. He grinned kind of aggravating at me, and says some poetry at me about in spring, a young man's frenzy likely turns to thoughts of love. Well, I says, kind of sheepish-like, this is summertime, and pretty nigh autumn. And then I seen I'd just as good as owned up I liked Martha, and was kind of mad at myself for that. But I told him some more about her, too. Somehow I just couldn't help it. He laughs at me, and goes on into the tent. I laid there and looked at the fire for quite a spell outside the tent. I was thinking, if all them tales wasn't just dern foolishness, how I wished I could really find a dad that was a high mucky muck and could come back in an automobile and take her away. I laid there for a long, long time. It must have been for a couple of hours. I suppose the doctor had went to sleep. But all of a sudden I looks up, and he is at the door of the tent staring at me. I seen he had been in there at it hard again, and thinking quiet-like all this time. He stood there in the doorway of the tent with the firelight onto his face and his red beard, and his arms stretched out, holding to the canvas, and looking at me strange and wild. 
Then he moved his hand up and down at me, and he says, If she's fool enough to love you, treat her well. Treat her well, for if you don't, you can never run away from the hell you'll carry in your own heart. And he kind of doubled up and pitched forward when he said that, and if I hadn't catched him, he would have fell right across the fire. He was plumb piflicated. End of chapter 6